Welcome to The Brian Buffini Show, where we explore the mindsets, motivation, and methodologies of success. I'm the producer, David Lally, and as part of our Five Circle Fit Challenge, we're reading Brian and Joe Nigo's book, Taking Care of Business, The Big Idea for Small Business. If you haven't gotten a copy yet, visit buffiniandcompany.com slash bcbonus and register for the Five Circle Fit Challenge. Then select Week 3's Weekly Activities to download your free ebook. And in today's episode, we're replaying one of Brian's best episodes, The Big Idea for Small Business, where he dives deeper into the content of that book and shares the many lessons learned from starting more than 45 successful businesses. Let's listen. Well, the top of the morning to you and welcome to The Brian Buffini Show. Today, for many of you, this will be a new experience. Many of you have been tuning in to our podcast and you've heard tremendous interviews with some very famous achievers in sports, in life. Maybe you've heard personal growth and development information, maybe uh, Brian's bookshelf, or I've read from a book that's really impacted me. But today, for many of you who have maybe never been to one of our live events or been part of our coaching program, you're going to get to hear me talk about business. Millions of people have been through our live training, over 3 million to date, and hundreds and hundreds of thousands have been in our live events. And today I'm going to share some principles with all of you on some how-tos on how to run a successful business. And this will apply to many areas of your life, but ultimately I'm going to give some fundamentals on how to run a successful business. I wrote a book six or seven years ago with a great friend of mine named Joe Nego called Taking Care of Business, just like the Bachman Turner Overdrive song. The subtitle of the book was The Big Idea for Small Business. And I'm going to share with you today from my own personal experience, just some principles and maybe some things to do and also things not to do in regards to small business. I've owned over 45 small businesses. I think the latest count is 47, 48. I'm having a hard time keeping up with them at this stage. To be honest with you, the vast majority of them have done well. I'd say I probably am 43 or 44 out of 47. It's probably a pretty good batting average. But I will tell you, I actually learn the most from the two or three that didn't go well. You know, a lot of times when you go to a seminar or you listen to something or you read a book and somebody's telling you how great they are and what they've done, they forget or neglect to share the bumps in the road. They share the peaks, but not the valleys. And I believe not only in my own journey, but for everybody's journey, there's an awful lot to be learned from the shared experience of people who've made a few mistakes and then what they learn from it. So my road to success has not been a particularly straight path and it hasn't been without its trials and tribulations. And most people, they look at me today and they go, the man's never made a mistake. Everything's gone right for him. He came here with nothing. He's a gazillionaire, all that stuff. And that's just not the case. And so for the better part of three decades, I've had the excitement and the struggles of owning these businesses, which have given me a great understanding of how a small business works. And so I started out as a painter and decorator, just like my father was. I sold T-shirts off a cart by a beach in San Diego when I first came here. I was a real estate agent for many years, and that's how many, many people came to know me. I owned a gas station. I owned a hotel. I've been a real estate developer. I've been a real estate investor. I've owned storage units as a business. And so I've owned so many businesses. As I'm telling these stories, oftentimes my wife will say, and a partridge and a pear tree, because I've been there, done that with a lot of these things. Now, today at Buffini and Company, a lot of these wins and some of these losses have contributed to us building a best in brand 
organization. Just yesterday, I had lunch with a gentleman who's a senior executive of a publicly traded company that basically said, you know, this is a billion-dollar business that says when we go for real estate, we always come here first because you guys are the best brand in the real estate business. And that's quite a compliment. And I say that because, you know, today everything's happy times. Today, you know, we have a company that's been acknowledged as the best place to work in San Diego several years in a row. So we have a great culture. We have a very, very profitable model, a very successful model, something that's growing, something that's attracting young talent to come and join us all the time. As much as I give you all of that stuff, just to let you know, I have a few thoughts about business and a few things have worked out well and you're not listening to a broke guy talking to you today. But I've also had incredible times of struggle. I've had seasons where I felt stagnant and where I couldn't grow my business. I've made dumb decisions that undermine the economic stability, not only of my business, but also my family. And so I've earned a master's degree in business from what I call the school of hard knocks, and you've heard of that too. And so I just want you to understand that, you know, if you're going through something today, if your business isn't quite where you want it to be, or you know someone who's struggling with the business and you've shared this podcast with them, any successful person will tell you, been there, done that. So I'm going to share with you right now my hall of shame mistakes. And I'm just going to pick the top 10. And some of these I actually managed to do in the same business and survive. But I'm going to give you my top 10. Mistake number one for a small business. I came across a guy with a new product who was very engaging and insisted his product was so good it would sell itself. Well, here's a tip. Nothing sells itself. So I bought in hook, line and sinker. And then I found out, hang on a second, nothing sells itself. I have to figure out how to sell this. Here's mistake number two. I launched a business without taking into account the financial cost. So I had a good idea, a good motivation, even a good way to sell it, but I had no budgets and no forecast, just wishful thinking, did some quick math. That one didn't work out so good. Mistake number three. I've ignored the feedback of those I trust when they raised a red flag about a business venture. Now, I will also tell you, by contrast, I've also had people raise red flags about businesses that worked out real well. The key is that you're open to the feedback and find out why. And once I settled myself on, okay, that's why they're saying that, and here's why I think I have a cognizant plan to overcome that, I'm okay. Sometimes people gave me feedback who were friends and family because they were fearful. But when you ignore the feedback, because it's not what you want to hear, that typically means, I want this idea to work so bad, I actually don't care if it's based in reality or not. And now you're chasing hope and not a plan. So that was mistake number three. Mistake number four, I built only optimistic financial models which required everything to go right for the business to make a profit. And so unbridled optimism is a challenge. So here, here's a tip on that one. When you do your forecasts, double your expenses, have your projected income, and double the amount of time everything's going to take. And if you do that, then you have a baseline that you can beat. And people say, well, that sounds kind of negative. No. No, better to learn and beat a low projection on your way to really getting something going than get everybody bought in on the fact that you're going to do these marvelous things. Mistake number five, I've asked family and close friends to invest in my business venture and promised them a high rate of return. Now, I've done that, and I did that on a business that didn't go well. Now, I will also tell you that the most important thing I did with that business was I made sure everybody got paid back and got paid back with a pretty handsome return. Even though the business failed, I paid everybody back. And we'll talk about this in future podcasts, why investing in relationships is the most important investment you'll ever make in your life. 
Number six, I had job openings that I filled only with people I knew. It was convenient. Instead of finding the most qualified person for the job, it didn't mean the friend or family member couldn't do a good job for me, but I went with convenience. And that's a very typical small business mistake. So you want to make sure you hire the best person for the job. And if they happen to be friends, if they happen to be family, now you've done the right process. And also the person know they earned the spot as opposed to they got the job because they knew you. Mistake number seven. In the past, I focused a lot of my time and energy on building the business operations and abdicated the vital role of sales and marketing to someone else. And so we'll talk about that today, but you can never abdicate sales and marketing to someone else. Someone can do the job. At Buffini and Company today, I have a chief marketing officer. We have a director of sales. We have whole teams of people in that area. But I never abdicate that role. I and my brother Dermot, who you've heard from, who's a brilliant CEO, that role is not to be abdicated by me, the chairman, or him, the CEO. Mistake number eight, I was so intent on finding the next customer that sometimes I forgot to cultivate the relationships I already had with past customers. Now, what's interesting about that is that I'm the guy that teaches to stay in contact with your past customers and past relationships because that's the way to grow your business. But like I tell people all the time, sometimes our house in Dublin was the unpainted house because when my dad came home from work, the last thing he wanted to do was paint his own house. And so that happens all the time for those of us in small business. We've got to give the gift to ourselves. Mistake number nine, I created a business in an industry that I had no prior knowledge or experience in, and I had very little time to learn it. Again, usually success leaves clues, and your tomorrow builds upon your today. A lot of times people will come to me with a business idea, but they're not even in the remote vicinity of what this business idea is. And so usually the things you did in your past help launch your future. Mistake number 10, to round out the whole list, I've tried to force business growth at too rapid a pace causing my company to have too little cash on hand and not be able to handle the ebbs and flows in the market. And so sometimes in my small business, I was able to run the business but not keep the tax man at bay. And so I know a lot of people have had that experience too. Now, after listening to those 10 depressing mistakes, maybe it's time for you to turn it off and say, I don't want to listen to the Brian Buffini Loser Show anymore. And here's what I want to tell you. I'm more than happy to share with people my foibles and, and shortcomings. My friend and mentor, Zig Ziglar, used to say, failure is not a person, it's an event. I can honestly tell you, the couple of businesses I had that didn't work out, I learned more from them than almost all the successes combined. I can tell you that I went into the the real learning and growth business coming back from those mistakes. Now, obviously, I want to share these things with you today so you're not making fatal mistakes. It's okay to make mistakes, you just don't want to make the fatal ones. And so today, I'm going to share with you a couple of thoughts and one big idea in particular that if you'll focus on this, it can solve almost all of your business problems and you can make your small business as big as you want to make it. So what I have in front of me right now, it's a miniature little three-legged stool, wooden built, real nice. And I have this in my office. I look at it every day. And it's to remind me of the three legs of business. And if you only have two legs on this stool, First of all, it's going to fall over. And if you put any weight on it, it definitely collapses. But a three-legged stool, even though this is a short little replica stool, uh, you can stand on this. You can build on top of this. You could pile many things on top of this little stool because it has a great foundation. So the three legs represent one leg is sales and marketing. One leg is customer service. 
and the other leg is financial management. And those are the three legs to the stool. And if you don't have these three, not only are you missing a leg, your business won't have a leg to stand on. This is how you make a small business big. So let me give you just a little bit of a definition, get a little technical here for a second. Sales and marketing. Marketing, by definition, is promotion, advertising, networking, and lead generation for your business. The definition of sales is the daily focus of turning potential leads into customers or generating more business from prior or existing customers. So that's sales and marketing. That's a definition worth remembering. Customer service is the creation, the production, and the fulfillment of your product or service to your customer. And so that's where also the operations and logistics and administration stuff comes in. And then lastly, uh, financial management. And this is overseeing income, expenses, profits, Lord willing, and certainly cash flow. And so when I talk to audiences all over the world and I ask them to rate themselves on a scale of 1 to 10, typically the leg of the stool, by the way, that comes out highest in their own estimation of their own business is typically customer service. And that's great because it shows motivation and intent. I desire to help the customer. And it's also where we want to work. But I want to walk you through a little formula here today that I hope will help you. So let's first take a look at sales and marketing. So on a scale of 1 to 10, 10 10 being the absolute perfect and 1 being the weakest, I want you to give yourself a rating on a scale of 1 to 10 for your small business, which means how many hours a day are you dedicating specifically on a daily basis to the acquisition of customers, to the promotion and advertising of your business, the networking of your business, turning leads into customers. And so if you're all in and you're all that in a bag of chips and you're four hours a day, three hours a day, promoting and marketing your business, turning leads into customers, then you give yourself a 10. If you kind of get to it every other day, then maybe you're a five or a six. If you only get into sales and marketing whenever you have a drought, or whenever you're starting your business and you just don't have a lot of business, then you're a one or a two. And so give yourself a number, okay? And remember that number. Now in customer service, you're a 10 if your customers are so delighted that they're buying you gifts. They're writing you notes of appreciation. You're a 10 when you're more concerned about the customer's experience than they are. And you're committed not only to meeting expectations, but exceeding them so that customers become advocates for your business. Now, while it's somewhat difficult to be objective about the customer service you provide, the ultimate gauge is the percentage of your customers that promote your business. So if 30% of your business comes from repeat or referral customers, you might give yourself a three or a four. If it's 50%, it might be a five or six and so on. Because ultimately, if you're doing a great job for people, people are gonna talk about you and they're gonna tell their friends. So give yourself a number where you think you stand and where your customers say you stand based on the number of referrals they give you. And then financial management. You're a 10 in financial management if you have a working budget for your business, a monthly profit and loss statement, at least three months of reserves in cash to cover your business expenses. You also have a home budget and six months reserves in cash in your personal finances. I'd say that's real solid. You're in good shape. You're, a, you're an eight, nine, or a 10. And so, again, this is a good rule of thumb if you're employing 20 or or less people, which is what 90% of the small business owners in North America are. Okay? So, if you fall short on these guidelines, and you're not 10s across the board, uh, 
you know, don't feel bad. Less than 2% of the people we have analyzed in our coaching program when we first meet with them will say that they're, they're a 7 or an 8 or above in each category. So there is hope. Now, what I want you to do is I want you to multiply the numbers across the board. So if you're a 3 in sales and marketing and you're a 5 in customer service and you're a 2 in financial management, I want you to multiply those numbers across the line. So 3 by 5 is 15 by 2. That's a 30. All right? You got it? So if you're a 5 in each area, okay, for example, a 5 in each area, that'll put you at 125. Now, if you do the math and you go 10 by 10 by 10, that's a 1,000. And that's where the real opportunity lies. And when you do this kind of honest assessment, this will show you how much room there is for growth. Now, here's where, again, I've just done math on a podcast, so I've probably eliminated 95% of my listeners already. But here's where I want to share with you the magic is. You can absolutely get way ahead on this formula, and you can close the gap from being a, a 70 or an 80 into an 800 or a 900 if you do one thing. If you understand that the weighted average is not the same. For example, the sales and marketing number is actually to be multiplied by five in and of itself. Because the big idea for small business is that sales and marketing is ultimately five times more important to the success of your business than the other two stools are. So for example, if you spend one hour of your day in the sales and marketing area, that's like putting five hours in in the other areas of your business. All three legs of the stool are vital, but they are not all equally weighted. That's the key. So the daily commitment to sales and marketing is the most important ingredient to small business success. Now I can say that emphatically. Buffini & Company is the largest small business coaching company in the world. And we have helped hundreds of thousands of people. We have trained millions of small business owners in this format. Now, our real estate clients, where we really measure against uh, industry norms, they are producing almost 10 times now in recent data the national average of their competitors. They're making an awful lot more money they're doing it in a sustained way. And the reason is, is that many of them have gotten their arms around this dynamic right here. And that's why many of the resources and many of the tools we provide at Buffini Company are all geared towards marketing and sales. We have, whether it's contact management systems or we provide all the marketing, the mail-outs, the e-reports, the pop-by gifts that we encourage our clients to bring by their customers. Most of our efforts at Buffini Company are focused on sales and marketing. And the reason being, we know this. If the typical person who owns a small business that we're helping generates a bunch of customers, that out of the bunch of customers, they can do a bunch of business, and out of a bunch of business, they can make some money. Now, with the money and the resources, they have the confidence to go and address the operations side of their business, the customer service side of their business, the financial management side of their business. Sometimes they can hire people and bring people on and make their small business even bigger. A great example of this is that most small business owners go from feast to famine. And I, look, I grew up in the trades. My father was a house painter. Now, they did a great job and they had an awful lot of customers for such a small business. But even then, on occasion, they experience what many tradespeople do is a peak and valley. And a great example of this was back in a long time ago now, but uh, 2007, our house burned down in the California wildfires. And we went to go build a brand new home. And we were able to build just an amazing home 
because that was in the teeth of the recession at the time. And we were able to find the absolute most incredibly talented tradesmen, Finnish carpenters, plaster people, you name it. The best of the best were around. And they were all available. And now, again, the recession hurt everybody. But because most of these really good tradespeople, they were great at the customer service side of it. They were great at doing the job. But they weren't consistent in promoting to their customer base. So when the market went down, they went down. And because of that, they were available. Because there were so many of them available, they were all competing on price. So not only did we get fantastic work done, but a lot of them were, in order to get the job, were discounting their prices over one another. And so not something I wish on anybody, but that's what the market was bearing at the time. So I built a house for about 40% less than what it would have cost me two years before or three years after. So I don't want that for those guys. In fact, many of those folks we've, we've given over the years books to and given them free tickets to our events and so on and so forth in order to help them get over the hurdles of having peaks and valleys in their own business. So what we want to make sure you understand the big idea is this. Customer service is your job, but sales and marketing is your business. That's the big idea for a small business. Customer service, actually doing the job, whatever your business is, that's what you want to do, and you want to do a great job of it. But customer service is your job. Sales and marketing, that's your business. And it doesn't matter what language or country or culture, I've seen this all over the world play itself out over and over and over again. So one of the things I'm going to do from time to time is share with you one of the stories of people who've utilized these systems and turned their business and life around. I've met a lot of folks over the years who are frustrated and dispirited in their businesses, and yet they were really skilled in their craft. And one such person was uh, Rachel. And Rachel came to our success tour in 2007. She's a tax advisor. She's from right here in Carlsbad, California. She jumped in, in the teeth of the recession, into our business coaching program. And so we're sharing with her how to work by referral. We're telling her how to go back to our past customers, her current customers, do a great job exceed people's expectations, and then utilize this system we've built of how to actually apply these marketing systems, whether it be writing personal notes, whether it be follow a phone call, taking someone to lunch, holding client parties, sending valuable information on a regular basis, and a whole host of other little parts of the system that helps people market themselves consistently. And so in the coaching side, we kind of hold people's feet to the fire to do the activities they committed to doing all along, okay? And so at the time she started with us, Rachel was one of those people who took every class and certification there was in her profession to stay abreast of the trends and to have all the designations, kept up with all the latest software. So she was very skilled at what she did. And so even though she was very skilled at being a tax advisor, she didn't have a healthy business. She had too few clients. Some of the clients she had were very difficult to work with or they were tardy in paying their bills. And so her income was below what she hoped it would be when she first got into business. And so the light bulb came on for Rachel when she realized her business was filled with poor quality customers because she was willing basically to work with anyone who called her. And so these clients tended to become more demanding. They took more of her time. And oftentimes they were high maintenance clients who didn't pay her on time. And they also weren't as enjoyable to serve as her best clients. And they were less profitable. But other than that, you know, they were fabulous, right? So we coached her up and Rachel soon got into the process of focusing on our best customers. 
and taking those best customers and sharing with them the fact that she wanted to grow her business and help more people just like them. And that's the truth of it. Good people know good people. And so over a period of time, she went from changing her mindset, which was everything about customer service. All of her education and external time was built on building her skills in the tax advisory side of the business. We helped her develop in the sales and marketing side. Now, here's the reason I'm telling her story, because this is something I think most people can relate to. Rachel said to her coach, I'm not a salesperson. I'm a tax advisor. And that is the big one right there. Most people absolutely hate the idea of being perceived as a pushy salesperson. They want to do a great job for people, but they don't want to be out there, out front. I'm not P.T. Barnum. I don't have the gift of the gab. I don't want to make people feel uncomfortable. And so we helped Rachel kind of get over that hurdle by focusing on the fact that the people she served, she did a great job for. And all she wanted was more great people to serve. And the way to get more great people to serve was to help understand that you needed to focus on some kind of marketing and some kind of promotion so that good people would tell good people. And it took a while, but it, bit by bit, she started working the working by referral methodologies. And we got her using a little, what we call win the day formula, which I'll share with you before we finish today. Over a series of years, and this is important, it, it, it's not insta-fix. It didn't happen in 10 days. It didn't happen in 30 days. She saw little bits of progress along the way. But within a couple of years, she saw a significant difference. First, in the quality of the customer she was acquiring, and second, in the quality of the business. And then what happened is the quantity came. So she started with a client base of 35 people. And within a couple of years, she was up to more than 400 clients. She used to be just on her own by herself, but now all of a sudden she had a team. And she had a team that was able to expand and grow and serve the customers. And again, if you interviewed Rachel Coop and today she'd say, I'm not perfect, everything's not perfect, I'm still working on my systems, I'm still learning how to duplicate so that the 450th customer is taken care of by my staff as well as my first best customer. Of course, all of us are in that spot. But the challenges that she has today are very different that the challenges she used to have. The challenge used to be, where's the next customer coming from? The challenge used to be, why am I spending so much time with this high maintenance person who doesn't appreciate my work and doesn't appreciate me? How come I poured my heart and soul into this person who doesn't want to pay their bill? Well, now, now her problem is keeping up with so many high quality clients. Wouldn't you agree that's a high quality problem? First world problem, as they say. And so that's what she's dealing with today. So now she can reinvest in the customer service side. Now she can reinvest in building up her team. That's a powerful, powerful thing. You know, Thomas Edison said, success comes dressed in overalls and looks a lot like work. And that's why our system's called working by referral. It's not sitting by the phone by referral. It's not waiting by referral. And so one of the things I'm going to give you today, and I actually have a resource for you, if you go to the com and look up today's episode, I have a little resource for you called the Winning the Day Formula. And this uh, is built off a principle, which, believe it or not, is from a, a French poem first inspired me to do this. And the French poem goes like this. For want of the nail, the shoe was lost. For want of the shoe, the horse was lost. For want of the horse, the rider was lost. For want of the rider, the message was lost. For want of that message, the battle was lost. For want of that battle, the whole war was lost. All for the want of the one shoe nail. 
the biggest thing that happens to most people in small business is that I know this, you're chief dog and bottle washer. You're the CEO, you're the CFO, you're also the janitor, you're, you're, you're everything. Your customer service, your sales, your production, you're everything. And it becomes daunting and it becomes overwhelming. And then the dynamic is, yeah, I want to change my business around, but that just seems overwhelming. The key is to focus on the one shoe nail. The one nail that'll keep the shoe on, that helps the horse to stay upright, that helps the rider to stay upright, that's the key. You want to make your business big, you make your focus small. So I developed a formula years ago called Win the Day Formula, which, by the way, has then football coaches attended our seminars 15 years ago. This has become a big thing with Nike and many sports teams, whatever else, but trust me, then we verified this. This all started at Buffini and Company almost 20 years ago. And it's called the win the day formula. So what we would tell our service providers, for example, is you don't have to spend eight hours a day doing sales and marketing. But if we can get somebody to do an hour to two hours, two if they're newer in the business or just in the development side, one if they're quite successful and they just want to see it grow uh, systemically over time. So that's the shoe nail, one to two hours. Not 24 hours, not 12 hours, not 10 hours. One to two hours. Could you spend an hour a day in generating leads? I think you can. And what would you do with that hour? Well, you'd make some calls to your very best customers. Write some notes, handwritten notes, old school handwritten notes to your customer. Maybe three of those a day. Just three notes a day. It'd change your world. Three notes a day, 20 days a month. That's 60 notes in a month. That's 720 a year. That's 720 times you invested in a relationship with a thank you, with an appreciation. I just uh, had a meeting today with the foundation. They do fabulous work. They're great people. But like many charitable organizations, they're sitting around going, uh, you know, the market's right. Our donors are not giving us as much as they used to and whatever else. I asked them the question. I ask any charity when I meet with them. When was the last time, instead of calling somebody to donate, you called them to thank them? When was the last time when somebody made a contribution, you guys reached out to thank them? When was the last time you shared with them a success story of the people you're helping with their donations? In my business experience, whether it be churches, whether it be ministries, whether it be for not-profits that are doing a lot of good work, they often are the most ungrateful organizations you'll ever meet. And the only time they contact you is for the next donation. Now that is not an indictment on their motivations, on their heart, it's an indictment on their practices. And so what do you do? You reach out, you thank them, you appreciate them. Here's what your money's doing. Here's the little girl in Africa. Here's the little boy in South Oceanside. Here's what we did. Here's what we're doing. Here's the school. Here's what we're doing with that. want to thank you because you're making a difference. That sets up great opportunities in, in weeks and months to come to say, by the way, we're growing, we're expanding. If you have any opportunity to help us, we'd really appreciate it. But you're laying it on that bedrock. So could you imagine investing 720 times by a little handwritten personal note. Hey, I just want to thank you. Oh, by the way, Buffini Company's 22 years in business. The Buffini kids are doing okay. They're not standing on a street corner holding a sign asking for lunch. Last year, I wrote 2,620 handwritten personal notes. So I'm not asking you to do that. I'm at this a long time. But maybe, could you do this? One shoe nail. Could you write three notes today? just to thank your three favorite customers. And then you want to, after winning the day, you don't have to win the day every day, but if you won four days out of the week, you're doing great. And now you're winning the week. 
And if you're going to win a month, now all of a sudden, you don't need to win 12 months out of the year. But if you won seven or eight, now you're winning the year. And so uh, in the Win the Day formula, we have a whole series of things that you can do every day to make sure that you're winning the day and winning the battle and winning the war. So go to the thebrianbuffinishow.com and download that and blessings to you. I have a dedication in the book that I want to read to all of you. And this is why I wrote this book six or seven years ago. And it says, To every courageous person who ever had the gumption to own his or her own business, we honor the belief that you have in yourself, the confidence you have in your abilities, and the faith you have in your future. You are the fabric of every great society. It would bring us great joy if this book in some way helps you achieve a greater level of success. Well, that's the same way I feel about today's podcast. This isn't obviously an exclusive process to transform everybody's business. The number one thing I'm after today is to transform your mindset. You go from being a person who's just interested in doing the job to being a person that's running a business. Customer service, that's your job. Sales and marketing, that's your business. It's five times the weight and the value of the other areas, the three-legged stool. So make sure you do a little bit of that every day your small business will become big. Well, I hope you enjoyed today's show. I just want to thank all of you who've referred this program to friends and family. And I hope you'll continue to endorse and refer this show. Maybe this is a message that would help a friend or a family member. And we love to impact and improve the lives of people. So we really appreciate all of your referrals. Many thanks. Please don't forget to head over and leave us a review. I love reading those reviews. And you guys are a fantastic audience. And I got to say... I'm very proud to interact with you guys. The quality of the people and the quality of the comments are excellent. I also love hearing your feedback on the kind of content you want to hear. And a number of you, in leaving those reviews, said, hey, Brian, we'd love you to share a few more of your business insights. And so I'm going to do a little bit of that this year. As you know, our goal is to positively influence as many people as we can. So please, share the show with others. If you know someone who has a small business who needs a little bit of encouragement and needs a little help, Maybe they feel like they're losing the battle or losing the war. Well, maybe today this podcast can be a one-shoe nail that helps them get back on track. So let me leave you in the words of my first business mentor, my grandfather, Harry Buffini, as he said, may the roads rise up to meet you and may the wind always be at your back. May the rain fall soft upon your fields and the sunshine warm upon your face. And until we meet again, entrepreneurs, may God hold you in the hollow of his hand. We'll see you next time. 